Welcome back, Neurohacker community, to episode number 49 of the Collective Insights podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I'm the one behind the scenes of this podcast, helping to make these episodes happen. We want to thank all of you guys for listening. This month, we're celebrating our two-year anniversary of the podcast. We now have over a quarter of a million downloads and are number 28 in top shows for the entire category of science and medicine on iTunes. Thank you so much for your support and for all of the lovely reviews you leave for our podcast. We read each and every one of them, and we're so grateful for you being on this journey with us. The Neurohacker community is so brilliant. Yes, that means you. We love when you guys leave us comments on social media or contact us through our website to share something about yourself. There are so many brilliant minds amongst our community of more than 90,000 people. If we all come together, we can make huge impacts. I'm setting a goal for us again on this episode to get 100 reviews on iTunes and also for each of us to share this episode with a friend. In this episode with James Maskell, we're talking about health insurance alternatives and the power of community to support each other in better health. We also dive into a topic I think we all can appreciate, saving money on our healthcare. So after you listen to this episode, go to your podcast app or iTunes to leave a comment. I want to get 100 meaningful reviews. This episode contains awesome content, but we believe that real learning happens when great minds get together and we participate. So let's do it. We want these episodes to be shared because they have the power to transform people's health and ultimately their lives. So if you know someone who's struggled with health insurance or with the healthcare they have access to, will you please share it with them? If you have questions about this content, please leave them on our site at neurohacker.com slash collective insights, and we'll work to get those answered by James on a future episode. I'm really looking forward to reading your reviews. So without further ado, let's jump into the show. Here's Heather and James. Welcome to Collective Insights. My name is Dr. Heather Sanderson, and I'm joined here today by James Maskell. He grew up experiencing holistic medicine as the norm in his family, but as something unusual amongst his peers. He rebelled, like most of us do, by becoming an investment banker. And then he had an awakening experience that had led him on the path he is today, looking for the levers that can create significant positive change in healthcare. Following an education in healthcare economics, James played a part in building a number of successful businesses in the integrative medicine space. He's the founder of the Functional Forum, the world's largest integrative medicine conference, and we have him here on the podcast today to discuss one of the most exciting things happening right now in medicine. Here at Neurohacker Collective, we frequently talk about empowered responsibility, and especially around health. And James, can you, we're going to talk about the economics and the solutions you have around how economics play these roles in medicine that don't always mean great healthcare. Um, so talk a little bit, just as an introduction, about why are there are so many problems to solve and what they are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, thanks first and foremost for having me here on the show. Look, there are a ton of problems in healthcare. And as someone who grew up in England and South Africa and now lives in America and operates his business in America, there are some problems that are um, equal in all of those countries and other countries around the world. And there are some that are unique to America, some that are unique to the UK. I think if you, if you take a step back, the most obvious sort of meta problem is that we have a system that's completely built around disease, right? The structure is built around disease. The coding is built around disease. The, the care delivery is built around disease. It's about 
putting people into sort of specific buckets based on their symptoms and then treating in that direction. That was a very sensible way to, to deliver medicine in an era of, um, in an era of trauma and infection and acute disease. And it worked very well. When we tried to apply that same formula, that same organization structure to lifestyle driven chronic disease, we got into a whole heap of trouble. And what that meant is you have way more people than are necessary taking drugs. You have sort of a, a situation where the first port of call for most people is drugs and surgery, which are by far the most expensive um, and complex interventions. And you know we don't have any real connection or conversation or health delivery system around health creation. And so you know that's why the NHS is running out of money in the UK, even though they have the single payer system that most people think would be the solution to the problem in America. Ultimately, the problem in both areas is the same. Too much chronic disease driven from lifestyle, not enough health creation, not enough education, and a whole system built around disease. Well, so that's great. You have these, this perspective of having been in several places um, and, and <clears throat> catalog cataloging a little bit of, okay, what are the issues? Is there anything particular about South Africa that you feel like is, is an issue? Well, look, South Africa has its own issues. You know, you have a massive part of the population that is living at a poverty level. You know, you also have, um, you know, a situation where there has been such a rapid transformation. Think about how long it took in America and the UK for infectious disease to be replaced by chronic disease. It took in some cases, let's say 50 to 100 years for that to happen. In South Africa, that happened in 10 years. Wow. And so, you know, talk about the evolution of medicine. You can't restrap a whole medical system for a completely different set of diseases. You know, here they are in South Africa focusing on vaccination efforts and clean water and all of those kind of things. And then suddenly, type 2 diabetes is the biggest issue. And so you can't retool a whole medical system for a disease category that only just was created, and that is, is proving a big problem. So what's your ideal vision for the future? So, yeah, look, the vision has to be um, a number of different things. So first of all, the incentives have to line up for people to want to stay healthy and to support the rest of their community in staying healthy. And that's one of the reasons why we've started New Health here in America is because we want to do some experiments in community. You know, ultimately, we see that as people become feeling responsible for their own health, like keeping themselves healthy for themselves and for their community and participating in keeping other members of their community healthy and are incentivized to do so, that is sort of like a base layer that has to be in play. Now, you could argue like in the UK, they kind of have that because it's their taxes and if, you know, you could not take a certain expensive drug, maybe you're saving, but it, you're, you're very detached from that um, in sort of a, in a meta level. And there are efforts to sort of reduce that down. But I think in, in, in the aggregate, the incentive structure has to play in that direction. You will notice that in health insurance, the incentives go in the opposite direction from that. And that is one of the reasons why insurance and health don't really match. Insurance and disease kind of match, but insurance and health don't really match. So tell but, me about new health. You mentioned new health. You can break it down for everyone. Yeah. So if you live in America right now and you buy your own health insurance, so if your age is between 21 and 65 and um, you, your insurance doesn't come through your company, you have some choices. You can go through the Obamacare exchanges and and um, up until last year, that was really your only choice. 
Um, you and you know, for people who have either ever done Cobra or have bought their own insurance, it's it's extremely expensive. The average right now is about twenty four hundred dollars per month for a family of four, twenty eight thousand dollars a year. That's the average um, for you know for uh, people in society uh, on that level. You know, there is a um, over the last five six years as I started to like take a look and see what was really happening and looking to solve this problem and also dealing with my own health. And, you know, once I had a daughter, I had to get health insurance. I'd been uninsured for the first six years that I lived in America. I was just starting my business. I couldn't really afford to do it. I was healthy. I knew a bunch of other doctors. I had some other reasons why I thought it was a, a sensible plan. And it was a sensible plan in retrospect. Um, it may have, it could have gone wrong at any point, but um, I, I feel very fortunate for that. But there, there was this thing, and, and some of your listeners may be familiar with it, called a Christian health cost sharing ministry. And these things popped up in 19, in the 80s and grew substantially um, between the year 2010 and year 2018 because they were given an exemption. If you're part of these five Christian organizations, um, that you were given an exemption to the individual mandate from Obamacare. And these Christian organizations thought about insurance in a different way. They thought, hey, you know, insurance is a, is a very clear business model. You pay a for-profit third-party company a small amount of premium um, to cover you in a certain set of circumstances that might happen to you, right? That's what insurance is. You pay a small premium for a defined set of services to be taken care of. The Christian um, health ministries started with just a church where they had 15,000 people in a church and they're like, you know, maybe all of us could just not have insurance and we'll just make a deal amongst ourselves that if, uh, if there's 10,000 of us and Johnny gets hit by a car and it costs $10,000, everyone will just give him a dollar and we'll be fine and we won't have, no one will have to pay insurance. And uh, the risk preservation, the risk will be covered by the power of the group and not by this third party profit making company. And it works unbelievably well. First of all, you know, people now have this feeling that they're responsible for this small community, right? So you get this feeling of not just personal responsibility, but actually community responsibility for the funds, right? You're not going to charge your $10,000 Botox or boob job to the group because it's clear that that's not part of the rules, right? This is for, um, you know, for taking care of the immediate needs of the community as they arise. And you don't know who's going to get hit by a car. Or you don't know, you know, who's going to break their arm. And so we're all just going to agree to chip in. So there's like a, a community agreement that's established. And, and also, you know, one of the reasons why this grew so fast is because it's all built on the cash economy. So one of the things about insurance, why it's a massive scam um, is because for every, everything that you would ever use inside the health system, there's a range of prices, right? On the very bottom of that range, there's the cash rate, where if you walk into a doctor's office and you say, hey, I'm uninsured, I want to pay cash, what's your rate? The rate, that's one rate. That rate will ratchet up. There's a Medicare rate that's above cash. Then there's like all of these insurance rates. And if you have the quote unquote best insurance, you could be paying anywhere from two times to 10 times the rate for nothing, right? For there's, there's no difference in the service. 
And so this whole scam has gone on for a long time. There's opaque pricing. No one knows what anything costs. Certain doctors are within the network. Certain groups are outside of the network. If you go to something that's not in the network, you know, you have a big problem. Um, you know, you think you're covered, but you're not. Um, and so this is why we have bankruptcies and it's just this, it's this horrible mess. And so what the Christian groups do is they, yes, one share, but then they also had one person in the community, probably a lawyer, who would negotiate every bill from every person in the community. So, you know what? Friends don't let friends pay full price for anything. And so, you know, if you have a need arise, the one guy in the community who's the best at negotiating the prices comes in and says, yeah, okay, uh, I know you said that your average cost for that whole broken arm plus all of the support afterwards, the physio and whatever, is 50 grand. Well, would you take seven if we gave it to you now in cash? And they say, yes. So then seven grand split by 10,000 people is 70 cents each and we move on. That's the fundamentals of it. And ultimately, I became part of one of those in 2013 when I had my daughter because my mother-in-law was like, you got to get health insurance. You got a child now. You got to be responsible. So I did. And I had this one called Liberty HealthShare for a number of years. You know, it, it's not bad, right? I saved a ton of money. At the beginning, I was saving like $1,000 a month. It was 430 50 bucks a month compared to 1500. Now I would be saving $2,000 a month or now I, I have been saving $2,000 a month over there. So I mean, that's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of chiropractors, there's a lot of naturopathic doctors, there's a lot of functional medicine doctors, there's a lot of acupuncture that I can pay for myself going straight and having a straight relationship with the practitioner because I've, I'm not basically buying the insurance products. If you look at those insurance products, you know, that are available on the exchange that are $2,400 a month on average for, for a family, or let's say five or 600 for an individual, you're not really buying insurance. You're buying a prepaid drug plan, right? You're, you're saying like you're giving a premium for a range of services, but because every drug has been, you know, brought into that group, it, the price has gone up exponentially because you've got, let's say, you've got a one in a hundred chance of getting an autoimmune disease and, you know, uh, the autoimmune medication is 50 grand a year. So you're paying like one hundredth of that because you might get that autoimmune disease. And yeah, ultimately, so that, yeah. That's something that I see in my practice is that if I wanted to take insurance, insurance would dictate how I could practice because it's only within that model. So it would cover medications, but it wouldn't cover supplements. It would cover certain imaging, but it wouldn't cover others. So I have some administrative person whose job it is, is to not cover it, telling me how I can and can't practice medicine. Yeah. And I, look, I, I came from the practitioner side. So I would hear doctors like yourself talking about these kind of things. And I was like, look, here's a system that's built on liberty. Here's a system where people can make their own choices. If, you know, the pediatrician that I want to see who is amazing, he didn't take insurance. So, you know, I paid him $300 an hour, best investment I ever made in my own understanding of how kids work and my wife, my family, we all went along, best pediatrician ever. And we were able to do that and still pay less than we would have paid if we had paid for, a, you know, the big insurance plan. Because ultimately, I've made the decision that drugs is not the first thing in the list for my family. So right? I have a couple of questions coming up with this yeah. design. What if in this group of 10,000 people, a bunch of them have a stroke or a heart attack that year? So is there a lot of, 
variability in the cost that you pay because you're sharing the cost at the end of the year, at the beginning of the year, whenever they cut the... It's a great question. So, you know, in insurance, you have a problem and it's called a black swan event, right? So if I sell, I don't know, hurricane insurance to people in Tampa, Florida, and there's a hurricane, it's called a black swan event because everyone charges at the same time. Yep. That thing, that doesn't happen in healthcare, right? You could have a Chernobyl style incident, but in a Chernobyl style incident, we're all done, right? Any health insurance is done. You know, that, that kind of thing doesn't happen. You might have a bus, a bus crash, right? But, you know, maybe, you know, it just doesn't happen like where a bunch of people, that, that, that's not a, a thing that happens in healthcare. 10,000 is sort of like the magic number whereby the size of the pool is big enough to be able to, any single incident can't break the pool. You know, one person in the group goes hiking and has to be airlifted to UCLA and it costs a million dollars. Well, that's a hundred bucks each, you know, that's it. Now the pool that we're, you know, the, uh, over a million people use cost sharing now, right? So the pool wow. is massive. And so, you know, those kind of things happen. And, and your, to, to your point, you know, health insurance has gone up 20, 30. I mean, depends on what state you're in. If you lived in Arizona two years ago, it went up by 100% the premiums, 113% in Arizona a year and a half ago. You know, insurance premiums went up on average by that much. But in other states, it's been 20, 30%, which is a ton. If your thing costs $500 a month already or $1,000 a month, going up by 20 or 30%, that's like a mortgage payment right? For most people, these Christian ministries have been unbelievably stable in pricing, right? They're much lower. They're much more stable because then, you know, you just don't have, you know, you have enough of a, a sphere and on average, you know, the people who are participating in it and are, are healthier because like, if you're a person that is taking Humira that costs $50,000 a year, you know, you're unlikely to switch to a Christian ministry because you're going to stay in insurance because you're paying $1,000 a month for a medication that costs 5000 So you're going to stick it out where you are. So the pool is healthier. The pool is robust enough. It has enough people in it. And, you know, depending on which group you join, like in the Christian ministries, you have to sign to say, like, I'm Christian. I live my life in this way. I don't do these kind of things that are unhealthy and I'm doing that. What we did with new health is just sort of, you can be a Christian to join. We're non-denominational, but like I, 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 you know, I used to live in New York. I lived in LA. Um, you know, I knew people who were Jewish. I play cricket. I know people who are Muslim. I also, you know, have friends who, you know, are, are not, um, who are atheists or, you know, people who don't consider themselves Christian and wouldn't want to sign on a dotted line saying, you know, I drink the blood of Christ or whatever it is that you have to sign in on that. So we just wanted to make something that was for everyone. And that's what New Health is. So we launched last year. We spent the first half of this year really getting organized so that we could take tens of thousands of people. And now we're um, getting, getting set up for the rest of the year. Congratulations. This is so exciting. So another question about just the logistics of how this works. It sounds like what you do is you go in, you see your pediatrician, you pay him the $300 or her, and then do you wait for reimbursement? So, you know, all the in, in health sharing, everything is dependent on something happening, right? So you get paid back based on an incident. So if you break your arm, that's an incident. You have an incident maximum, which is kind of like a deductible. 
Um, you know, in the case of the pediatrician, that was just a well visit, not a well baby visit, I would add, just like a healthy child visit. Um, but that was just, you know, that's just we pay to that pediatrician. If it was part of an incident, like if our daughter was sick and we had to go to five of those appointments in a period of time for a specific illness, then the cap would would uh, kick in, but in our in our product, you can choose between a five hundred dollar cap, a fifteen hundred dollar cap, and a five thousand dollar cap. And obviously, you know, the bigger the cap, the lower the premium or the lower the uninsured amount. And so um, that's kind of that's how it works. So you it, you know you get paid back based on incidents occurring. So anything that you choose to spend on your wellness is your choice. Okay, but you have more money to spend on your wellness because yeah. you're spending so much less in insurance. Absolutely. So we were saving 1100 a month at the beginning. That same number is about $2,000 a month right now. It'll be different depending on, you know, our pricing is based on whether you're single or married or single parent or family and the pricing changes there. And it also changes depending on age because the way that we thought was most fair to do it was just to base everything on historical claims by that group. So if you're a 60 year old uh, family where the parents are 60 and you have dependent children, your rate is going to be a lot higher than 20 year olds who just had kids because of historical claims by people of that age group. I see. Okay. So that brings up a good point. How do you apply to be a member of NEW? Yeah, you just go to newhealth.com. There's a calculator on there where you can go on and see exactly what it costs. You can compare it to what you're paying now and you can join at any time. Unlike health insurance, you don't have to wait until open enrollment, but we expect a lot of people will be coming through an open enrollment in November, but uh, you can actually sign up at any time and you can quit your insurance at any time. Wow. Okay. So this community that you've created around the Functional Forum and then New Health is is incredible. And that's driving a lot of the membership, I'm sure. Um, take me back to that specific moment when you decided to quit being an investment banker and start down this new path. I mean, no one else is taking this on in the way you are. Yeah. So, I mean, it goes all the way back. Uh, you know, I was the only kid in school whose mother said to the school, don't give this kid antibiotics until you check with me first, right? And in 1985, when I'm five years old, or 1988, when I'm eight years old, no one's talking about the overuse of antibiotics. These are, these are miracles that should just be used as much as possible at any moment. So somehow my mother, with no medical training, was able to predict um, you know, the overuse of antibiotics by like 20 years, right? So that always stuck with me. You know, I had chiropractic and I had a homeopath growing up and that was just the way that my health was taken care of. And uh, yeah, so I had my rebellious phase. I thought my parents were crazy and I, I'm in the investment bank and it's, it definitely it coincided honestly with, with psychedelics. Uh, I sort of had a moment of, uh, I was in London and uh, I, was, I was thinking, I just sort of had a moment where I was like, I think I'm playing for the wrong team. I think I might be playing for the wrong team here. And just had a moment of clarity that like, hey, I'd done health economics at university. The, you know, the money was running out, the curves were going up in, in crazy ways. And yet I had had this, this, uh, this um, health upbringing that was so different than anyone else I knew. But I also remember thinking like, wow, all the people that I knew were pretty healthy. And like I was healthy and my parents were healthy and the community that we lived in were all healthy. Maybe this is part of the solution. And it was just in that moment, I, I sort of had a, a moment of clarity. I also just was like kind of disgusted by what I saw in 
corporate England where I was, where, I don't know, just the culture of it was, was not really my thing. And yeah, I quit. So I, I was convinced by actually, you know, sort of a family member that the future of medicine was going to be integrated medicine, delivered in a spa environment. I moved to America. I worked in a clinic. That's where I saw chronic disease being reversed by a naturopathic doctor, by practitioners over there. And I was like, wow, no one knows that this is possible. Um, no one's really aware that you can reverse an autoimmune disease or, or, or type 2 diabetes. These are like sentences for life in the popular culture. And then I became a sales rep. So I started at the bottom. Like I literally worked in a clinic in Georgia. I moved to Georgia, uh, not even Atlanta, rural Georgia. And I, I worked there. And then I became a sales rep where I was selling to practitioners doing integrative and functional medicine. And um, it was an amazing experience. I put hundreds of thousands of miles on my car. I drove to every small town from Virginia to Maine. I met every kind of practitioner from, you know, doctors who had uh, switched to integrated medicine, some doctors who didn't even know what it was. They were just trying to get some products and we were having their very first conversation into what is all this stuff, yeah. right through to like people doing Reiki in their basement. And I met them all and I saw everything. I did that for years. And that was such an incredible uh, experience because I got to see what the healing capabilities of the body are. I got to see how different practitioners facilitated healing responses in patients. I got to see the range of interventions from, you know, from functional medicine, like clinical nutrition, all the way through to energy stuff and everything in between. And, you know, I think that having an experience as a sales rep is amazing because you get to see such a broad, a broad piece. So that was about three years that I did that. And then that's when I sort of started thinking, okay, now I understand that no one knows that this is happening and that this could be a solution. It's not nearly practiced efficiently enough or widely enough to make any real dent at any real level. Let's get on with it. Got it. So I've heard you say that wellness is the ability to live out one's purpose. We love that. What are the biggest challenges that people typically face when they're actively seeking out their purpose? What advice would you give them? Because it sounds like you certainly are living yours. What advice would you give to someone who's struggling to follow their dreams? It's a great question. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure if I have like the most specific advice on this, but you know, for me, I would say it was, it was about finding um, something that was congruent with with my life or like why I was put here on this planet. Like no one else had this experience. That was a unique thing that I had and sort of working it from there. Like who is James Maskell? Why, you know, why did he end up incarnating to these parents and doing these kind of things? Like there was a certain amount of, of coming back to that. I also don't feel like it just, it doesn't come in one, in one fail swoosh. Like if I knew 15 years ago that I would be able to do what I've done now, I would be all in again. But like that wasn't really clear to me five years ago. Like five years ago, I'm just kind of like a, you know, it, you know, your your ability to see where you want to go comes from your experiences. So I put myself in the right position. I started working at that clinic, 
But really what fired me up to do what I'm doing now is seeing these other practitioners doing what they were doing in the world, like recovering kids on the autism spectrum, like, you know, getting people, reversing people's autoimmune diseases like that. You know, th that was part of the fire that pushed me along, but I had to be kind of facing in the right direction to start with. I guess the best quote that I could say, and this was one when I quit my job that someone said to me, says, you got to put yourself at the bottom of a ladder that you want to climb. Yeah. Right. I was at the bottom of a ladder in the investment bank. I could see where the next steps were. Right. I could see, oh, in three years, I could have his job. And in four years, six years, I could have his job. And maybe if I'm really smart in 10 years, I could have his job. I didn't want any of those jobs. Those guys were all hoses. And I just was like, no, I don't want to be in that at all. And so when I got to the bottom and I'm working in this clinic and I'm seeing doctors that are reversing chronic illness, I'm like, okay, this is, this is worthy of my time on this planet. So you, here you are pioneering the system and there are interests all over the place that are, uh, you know, it's in their interest to not have you succeed, right? Because there is money that's made in this other existing system. Um, it's the status quo and a lot of people don't want to leave that. So when you run up against hurdles and when you run into to the challenges that come with being a pioneer in this space, what do you do to bring it back to, to that purpose and keep going? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've hit that yet. Like, I don't think we've achieved any sort of like um, impact to a degree where like Merck has the hit out on me, but um, you know, who knows? Uh, but I would say, here's the thing. The reason why I called my thing the evolution of medicine was because what the energy that I wanted to put out is that this was just going to happen, right? It was evolving. Healthcare had to evolve to solve the current problems. And things were going to happen that would facilitate the kind of things that we've been championing, you know, uh, use of functional and integrated medicine as an operating system for care, use of health coaches to facilitate in behavior change, use of groups and group medical visits to facilitate behavior change and make this kind of care affordable and accessible to the masses. You know, you know, we've, we see that, that all of that can happen inside of the way that the world is moving anyway, right? So we're moving, and this had nothing to do with me at all, the world of medicine is moving from a fee-for-service system where you get paid for doing things like heart stents or whatever to fee-for-value where you get paid to actually keep people well and keep people out of the system. So like independently of anything that I've done, the whole system is rejigging itself to value exactly the thing that we're doing. So ultimately, like I'm, I'm not, um, you know, I'm just, just sort of, trying to be just trying to push forward with what I know to do and the universe somehow is creating a system where exactly what we've known for a long time will be the most valued in the future and that's why functional medicine doctors are being hired just here in uh, in Sacramento near where I live a doctor friend of mine has just been hired to run a huge new functional integrated medicine center in a hospital here they've got it in Sutter Health just down the road like the world is just moving in our direction and I'm just trying to speed the whole thing along and ultimately kind of maintain some of the, the heart that makes this industry what it is and not to lose it to become sort of a quasi corporate, you know, structure that, that doesn't really do what I think we all hope this next era of medicine will do, which is based on empowering the individual, empowering groups, and problem solving and helping huge swathes of the population understand things like 
root cause resolution, uh, ecological frameworks for understanding their body and, you know, the earth that we live on. And, you know, that's why I'm so attracted to the work that Daniel's doing and, you know, the, the Neurohacker Collective and, and all of his work, because I think we're, we're, we're thinking in the same way and we're all taking action in our own ways to achieve the same goal. So you mentioned health coaches and group visits. Tell me how that is included in the model at New Health. So I would say this. So New Health is getting off and running and, you know, we are taking on members right now and anyone can join if you're in the U.S. between 21 and 65 and we'd love to have you. On the other, so that's on one side. On the other side, you know, for the last five, six years, I've been helping doctors switch from conventional medicine to functional medicine through the functional forum, the meetup groups otherwise, and then teaching those doctors how to build affordable models of care, direct primary care, working with health coaches, and now our big push for 2019 is group visits. And the the reason why we love group visits is because it is the way that functional integrated medicine will make it to the masses. And believe it or not, it is way more, not only efficient, but actually more effective than one-on-one care. Because the biggest thing that needs to happen in healthcare is behavior change. And behavior change is much easier facilitated in a group. Um, the, the power of peer-to-peer, the power of you know, seeing another peer do something that you wouldn't do yourself and seeing that it's okay to do that can never be achieved in a professional relationship. And so the power of peer-to-peer is absolute magic. And we're doing a whole series on my Evolution of Medicine podcast on the power of group visits, the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine, which is getting incredible results and is going to be the institution that brings these ideas into the mainstream. It's in a 10-week group program called Functioning for Life, two hours a week for 10 weeks, 66% of people who go through that program, which by the way is insurance billable, never need to see the doctor because they're just better, because they have community, because they have healthy behaviors, because they're supporting each other. That is the future. So I would say, you know, on one end, we have the provider side, which is what I've been working on for five years. On the other side, we have the, the, um, you know, the, the insurance alternative. And over the next two or three years, they will connect. And I would imagine that the number one way that we'll connect, and we haven't announced this yet, and it may be next year until this happens, but I think one of the first things that we'll do at New Health is pay for anyone to do any group visit. Oh, because wow. we believe that that will be a, a big thing. Now, we haven't got there yet, but that's kind of the vision that I have for it. And ultimately, what we need is hundreds of doctors and systems otherwise starting to offer these group functional medicine visits. And I'm writing my second book right now, which is to kind of incentivize and, and not incentivize to, you know, to fire up the medical system, the doctors, and to, you know, to get them excited about creating group visits in a hospital, in a clinic, inside a bigger system like Kaiser. So, you know, give it another year or two, and hopefully those two things will connect and um, we'll have something that is, you know, truly transformational um, for the costs of healthcare in America. As a clinician, I have a question that comes up around that. How do you square group visits with HIPAA compliance and privacy? Yeah, so, you know, that's a great question. It's the number one thing that comes up with people is that ultimately, you know, I'm going out on a limb here, but I would say that privacy uh, may be a core dysfunction in the in the healthcare system, right? Not being able to share your 
you know, pain with anyone else and not being able to be introduced to other people who have the same issue as you leads to the epidemics of isolation and loneliness that we have that are driving so many visits. Like 80% of visits, you know, driving, driven by stress. A lot of that is social stress. Ultimately, you know, there are, there are administrative solutions for it. Like people sign a waiver to say, hey, I'm going to be sharing in a group and I'm going to be part of it. We have this thing called a group visit toolkit, um, which uh, is the sponsor of our whole series where you get the group visit toolkit with the waivers, the PowerPoints, the insurance billable codes so that any doctor can run a functional medicine um, group visit on the gut or on cardiometabolic or on stress. So we have these things all ready to go. But ultimately, yeah, when you get into one of these things, I mean, there's, there's a history of shared medical appointments. This is not a new idea. But what we see is that when you infuse the shared medical appointment with the functional integrated medicine like operating system, where you're really talking about behavior change, people are empowering each other otherwise, that's where the magic happens. There have been group visits going on in medicine and, and Medicare likes it and insurance pay for it. And you know that's all good. But ultimately, it's like, if you're going to get together in a group for an hour and a half or two hours, what are you going to talk about? And so we're seeing some really, really innovative stuff. There's a group called um, Open Source Wellness out of, uh, out of San Francisco that in each group session, they have movement, they have food, they have um, mindfulness, and they have exercise, you know, all in that group, and they do it all together. And this is ready for prime time. This is ready for every American. This is ready for homeless people. You know, this, is, this has been a, an effective way of really creating cohesion in communities and ultimately solves many, many problems. And the good news is it doesn't require hundreds of thousands of doctors to switch their allegiance to functional medicine. In the Cleveland Clinic, these group visits are being run by RDs, health coaches, and PAs. And so, you know, there's an opportunity for anyone who wants to be a hero, anyone who wants to bring this kind of care to their community, their medical uh, office, you know, their hospital to get involved, get some of these tools and, and start doing it. And uh, I think it's, a, it's an idea whose time has come. So yeah, this idea of community and loneliness being an epidemic, right? And what New Health is doing, it's creating community on the doctor side, on the patient side, within the insurance model. And physical health is important, but this is that, that mental and spiritual health of, of being connected to others. Can you explain how taking care of one sort of supports the other? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't have to look far in the literature to see what what percentage of chronic illness is driven by, you know, by those kind of feelings. You know, here at the UCLA Stress Lab, they've shown that even at the cellular level, um, you know, rejection and ostracizing from a social community, you know, can cause, you know, can can take the rate of depression from one in uh, I think one in it goes it is a twenty x increase in 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 depression those kind of things so the the mental affects the phys physical extremely clearly and ultimately you know the mental over time causes deterioration in the physical that becomes chronic illness and ultimately you know as I started working with naturopathic doctors and functional medicine doctors over the fourteen or fifteen years that I've been doing it what I noticed was that when doctors make a switch to functional medicine, a lot of times they focus on the physical, right? They love, instead of doing like regular labs and drugs, they love doing functional labs and supplements because it's, it's like, comfortable. Yeah, it's their yeah. comfort zone, right? But as they get more sophisticated and as they do it for a longer period of time, what they realize is 
They need to get the patient's heart engaged into the process of transformation. And therefore they start going into like the psycho-spiritual aspects of their health and who are they and who are they in their next phase and who are they showing up as and, and what that like. Sometimes, you know, I'm very excited to see what's happening now with in Denver, right? That psilocybin is legalized because those psychedelics only facilitate those kind of questions in ourselves, right? And so it was the same for me. And I see that ultimately what we're seeing with people is that as soon as they have that understanding of who they are and what they're here to do and why they're here, a lot of the other stuff, you know, just takes care of itself because there's more of an aligned living. So that's, you know, that's the way that uh, I see it happening. And, and ultimately, the core principle of naturopathic medicine, integrative medicine, functional medicine, all of these things that have different names, but ultimately the same thing, it's, it's salutogenesis. It's, it's health as a result of health. It's health creation of health creation. It's, it's looking at the body in terms of health, not in terms of disease. It's an up and out mentality, as Jeff Bland would say, not a down and in mentality. It's not fear-based, it's empowerment-based. And ultimately that's what we need. And you know, whether you get to that through coming, you know, coming to a practitioner because you've got a chronic illness that has not been solved by drugs, whether you come to it because you just want to save three or $400 a month on health insurance and you want to, you know, start off with something like that. What we're looking to create is many angles for people to come into this new uh, evolved community. And we called it new health because ultimately when I, when I, when I want people to say it out loud, it's like, it's new. This is the new way that we're doing it, but it's new with a K because I think we always knew we just forgot, right? It's an evolutionary um, imperative to be in community, to take care of each other, to support each other. And ultimately these other businesses like pharma and insurance or otherwise have grown because we've forgotten what it means to take care of ourselves uh, and take care of each other. And so that's what new health. I love it. I want to go back to dispelling this myth around the finances. So healthcare is really expensive and I see it every day in my clinic that people come in and they pay for the visit and they, you know, that's really straightforward and upfront how much that's going to be, but then they get to paying for labs and supplements and it starts to add up. And then, you know, we want them to do a cleanse or this or whatever it is. And each of these pieces, we want them to start buying organic and, and maybe go see a functional movement trainer or, you know, do some lab that's definitely not going to be covered by insurance. And so they don't have access to all of it. And they've probably also been scarred. I've seen this a ton is that someone has been through the ringer already and they've spent all their money and they're sick. And so they, they just don't have any left to give because they either can't work or they've been through their savings. So they're forgoing these effective health tools because it feels too costly. So as you see our society shifting its mindset, to spend more on pre preventative tools, like what's the path? I know that New Health certainly is providing a lot of solutions, but what could you say to someone who today is feeling overwhelmed by the cost? Uh, it's a great question. I would say, I would say this. So the uh, another another idea whose time has come is actually an idea from your profession, and it's called the naturopathic therapeutic order. And when I heard it, I was like, it made sense to me as an economist. Mm -hmm. It made sense to me as a, as a thinker, as someone who's like looking to solve the problem. 
And it was really, so the, the, the naturopathic therapeutic order just contends that you should start with the least costly, least invasive interventions first and work your way up, right? So what is the least costly? Mindset transformation, right? Getting a free app on your phone that helps you to, you know, to breathe or to meditate or to do those kind of things. You know, community. A lot of times, you know, having a, you know, going out to build a healthy community of other people in your area who you can get to consistently and spend time with and share, like that's free. Mindset shifts, all of those kind of things. Then, you know, you have a next layer of, let's say, organic food, right? Um, you know, shifting from um, pesticide-ridden, uh, conventionally created food to organic can be a little bit more expensive. But when you look at the numbers of, you know, of chronic illness and you look at now we're starting to see, um, you know, huge settlements against Monsanto, other things, because it's becoming super clear to everyone that conventional, um, conventional agriculture with all of the poisons and pesticides and all that stuff is ridiculously toxic you know ultimately that is a small price to play to pay compared to the cost of getting cancer and autoimmune disease when you're 50 instead of when you're 90 right so that's the way that's the, the way i like it and then from there you have like okay spending time with a practitioner supplements you know these are all before before you've ever got to you know drugs and surgery which is at the top so you know i know that um finances can be you know tricky for people and you have to work within the budget but ultimately you know the the thing that i've said to to most people is that you're already paying for a lot of things that you don't use you know most of the people that i know who are my age that have health insurance are not really using it you know they're doing their wellness stuff and they're just frustrated that it's not covered well you can opt out of that system um you just have to find a way to provide the same reinsurance reassurance that if you were to get hit by a car that you know those costs would be paid but without having to prepay for drugs and surgery that you're unlikely to use given that you you know take care of your own health so you know i think that's all i can say the other thing i would say is you know, never pay full price for anything, you know, so, so, you know, one of the things that I've learned in this journey is that, you know, let's say you go to your doctor's office and they say, Hey, you've got to have these labs and you give your insurance card and you have a high deductible, the price that you're going to pay for those labs on your insurance could be 10 times what it costs to just go to the lab directly, 10 times, even 20 times. Mm -hmm. You know, that is the depth of the scam. And so just being a good health consumer, like learning about this kind of stuff, it doesn't take, we have, you know, stuff on our website where you can learn about where to get the cheapest labs. Like our members can access labs that are at cost. If we find them anywhere cheaper, we'll switch to that company. So we make that available, you know, to them and the supplements too. So, you know, we're, we're, we're just trying to build a community where savvy people, I'll give you an example, right? So a lot of people, you know, women fought for birth control in america as a part of insurance for so long so it's a very like emotive issue and so people often ask like hey is birth control covered in new and the truth is it isn't because it's a preventive thing it's not there's no issue that happened however if you're savvy you know that there are companies right now where you can get birth control for 15 dollars a month right so don't keep your insurance where you're paying an extra you know 
thousand dollars a month because it has birth control which would only cost you fifteen dollars a month if you were a savvy consumer and that, this is happening all across healthcare in fact one of the things that trump is trying to do right now is to make everyone put prices on everything which is a great idea because it'll mean that prices will come down but like you can get birth control there's a company that we partnered with that if you want to get birth control you can get it for fifteen dollars a month not everyone needs birth control half the people in the group don't need birth control so we don't need to pay for everyone's birth control if you need it you can get it from a low-cost user so that's just an example of the thinking change it's not that we don't think the birth control should be available for everyone it should but we shouldn't be paying a thousand dollars a month extra on health insurance for something that costs us fifteen dollars a month right 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 so when people come into my office i often say meditation and exercise best deal in medicine now on the same thread around finances, it's so ingrained in our culture to believe that time is scarce. So the pushback that I get is I don't have enough time to meditate every day. I don't have enough time to get to the gym or to get outside or to do what I need to do to, to integrate these behavioral changes in, that are health promoting into my lifestyle. So how do you see us shifting into a mindset where taking the time to cook and sleep and exercise? I can't believe how often I hear that. I don't have time to get eight hours of sleep. Um, to learn about our health, to, to be a savvy consumer is seen as foundational versus a luxury that only people with more money can, can do. Look again, I'm not sure if I'm the right person to speak to this because I'm not a health professional and I don't work with people every day. I totally understand that. And I also, I'm in a very fortunate position of, you know, running my own company. And there were times where, when I didn't sleep a lot at this point, I sleep, uh, I do sleep eight hours a night because I've chosen to value it. But look, if you're working three jobs to try and survive in this economy um, and your, your gig economy and you're doing three things, I totally get it. You, you know that there's a lot of people in America today who are living in a situation where their day-to-day -day realities are driving their everyday experience. So I don't, I don't want to like have the like you know, um, most privileged white answer I could do, which is just like, just prioritize your sleep. I, I understand that that is not possible in some cases, but I also know that, you know, a lot of people are watching TV, you know, that was the biggest thing for me with my health in 2007. We just canned the TV. I haven't had a TV since for, for 12 years. Now the internet and tech has caught up so that you can have things like Apple TV and Netflix and whatever. But like, yeah, I mean, ultimately there has to be a certain amount of just, of just uh, real talk about what we're you know, doing this time. So I don't know, like I, I would say, if you really don't have to, time to do all those kind of things, then you know, that could be understandable. But how many of those people have really done an inventory of how they spend their time and looked at it because I would imagine that in the world that we've created, what TV perpetuates is a lot of like very unhealthy behaviors, social media, super unhealthy behaviors in there, the super unhealthy behaviors, you know, with watching TV and those kind of things. And it, it perpetuates itself. So I would say, you know, the first thing to do would be to do a real like categorization of how you spend your time and get really clear with it. You can use an app to like track those kind of things. And then you just got to be honest with yourself at that point. And ultimately, you just have to be honest with yourself about how much does health mean to me? You know, there's this great quote. Um, I think it's, it's anonymous, but it says, you know, the, the, uh, the healthy have many dreams, but the sick has only one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ultimately, 
I think for most people in society, it typically takes them to get sick before they ever reevaluate their priorities. And ultimately, you can reevaluate your priorities earlier. You just have to actually go through some sort of process to do it. I'm not, this is not my area of expertise. I'm sure there are other people who have been on this podcast who have much better advice on that end than I do. Well, and I, I think you actually are creating some of the most important solutions, right? Because community is so much a piece of this. We are, don't they say, I think it's Tony Robbins, actually, who's like, it's, you are an average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if the people that you're spending time with are getting outside to exercise, or they are valuing cooking, and they value their sleep, then we tend to go in that direction. And with these group visits, and the community around new health, and the functional forum as well. Um, it does feel like when you start hanging out with those people, you start doing the things that they're doing. Um, and you're creating these communities uh, that value it. Yeah, no, the community is everything. I mean, and ultimately what we're looking to do is to create better communities and, and more self-empowering communities rather than self-destroying communities. Because that's what we've had a lot is self-destroying communities where, you know, ill behavior leads to even more ill behavior. You know, the the sugar enabling society, right? That we have where everyone brings sugar to everyone for everything. Oh, right. You know, yeah. To, to celebrate with our loved ones. We hear yeah, exactly. alcohol, yeah. caffeine, and sugar. Exactly. Diabetes for everyone. So, <laughs> you know, so there are certain social norms that have to transform, but ultimately, you know, people either get forced into a corner. My, my, my business partner, Gabe Hoffman, did an incredible talk uh, called Cancer is a Myth, and he had dealt with cancer when he was younger, but he, he really felt like cancer was like the story in our society where it's like the thing, when you get diagnosed with cancer, you can't keep living the normal life, right? It's like life stopping you in your tracks to be say, hey, pay attention to this. You know, this, you have to change the, the way that you're living. And, and you know, he, that's the, how he spoke of it. Now, that happens to different degrees of different people. Do you do it because your lab markers are crazy? Do you do it because you actually get diagnosed with an illness? Do you do it because something happens to somewhere near you? Something happens for most people where there's an opportunity for transformation and how they step into that transformation really depends on the community that's created. Mm -hmm. So if we can use these online tools to create offline community, to find other people that will be mutually empowering to you in that journey is a huge piece. And the internet's great for that. You know, there's no way 30 years ago you knew who in your community was into whatever you're into, but now you can find that. So I think we're in a, in a great position to do it. And ultimately we see that the reason why we're so focused on building community in the health space with these group visits is because for most people, that moment of potential transformation happens after a diagnosis. Yeah. And so we want to be able to meet those people where they come in and say, here's a supportive group of other people that are going through the same thing where together you can transform your community and your, you know, your behaviors as part of a mutually self-sustaining group that costs almost nothing to run and has almost no burden on the health system, but gets people better. That is, that is a reasonable way to deal with the problem. And so, you know, coming back to what you said, asked at the beginning, cause we've gone all the way around, you know, ultimately my vision for the transformation of healthcare on the planet in every country is first of all, getting the, getting the um, incentives, right? So I think getting people into groups of people where they feel a sense of community responsibility for the funds that are used. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, following the therapeutic order, mm 
Mm -hmm. Um, So getting, you know, using education and media to be able to empower and educate. And then as they need healthcare to be able to follow, starting with the least costly, least invasive interventions first and making your way up to drugs and surgery so that they're a last resort. And I think that structure is sustainable, it's empowering, and it's, it's, uh, it's something that I think everyone would want. Once they get a glimpse of what it's like to be part of it, they, they would want that. Well, I can't wait to join um, for my family and as a provider. So how can our listeners get involved in both New Health, the Functional Forum, and then just even just supporting your mission to create a healthier world? Well, thank you. Yeah. So, you know, for consumers, anyone listening who is sort of just a user of healthcare, you can go to New Health and you can sign up. We are signing people up all the way through open enrollment. Um, tell your friends and family about it. Awesome opportunity to not just not just uh, join yourself, but to join as a little community. Uh, when we did a, I did a tour last year where I went to 26 cities and did these live events. And, and one of them, we had four families that joined at the same time and they formed a, like a healthy cooking collective. So that's four families all sort of responsible for themselves and getting together once a week to do a community cooking where they batch cook for each other and save a ton of time in making healthy food. That's, so, you know, that's a really fun, fun way to do it. You know, the, the functional forum and the evolution of medicine are doctor and practitioner facing companies. So the functional forum, we have meetups in couple hundred meetups across the country for our monthly show. You can watch, you know, 60 plus episodes of shows going back to 2014. We've done one every uh, beginning of the month. Yeah, find a community or build a community. Ultimately, um, we've got some really exciting things happening later this year. We're going to have a competition to find America's functional city um, as a way of, you know, kind of getting a little bit of, uh, now that we've got all these meetup groups, having a little healthy competition to see how we can you know, spread this. But yeah, get involved at um, functionalforum.com, get on the email list, join a community on that end if you're a health pr- practitioner. Um, if you're a doctor who's just listening to this for the first time, I, you can go to goevomed.com slash free book. You can get a copy of my book for free. And that book is really uh, designed to help doctors make the switch from conventional medicine to functional integrated medicine. Fantastic. James, thank you so much for what you are doing for medicine. You know, us doctors, I think we just get into seeing the patient in front of us and it's difficult to take that step back and say, okay, how do we change the system and the structure so that this is more accessible for everyone? And you are doing that work. So I can't thank you enough. And and also thank you so much for your time today and for sharing it with us. Um, I know that so many people who are in the neurohacker community are certainly super engaged in this conversation and super engaged in, in health and creating healthy behaviors. And the, the finances come up over and over and you are the one that is creating the solution. So thank you, thank you, thank you for this. No, look, I really appreciate it. And like, you know, before I came in contact with the company and, and, and so forth, I felt the energy from the brand. I could feel, you know, what you guys were putting out, the kind of conversations you wanted to have. And I'm, I'm more keen than ever to just come into alignment with other people who see a similar kind of a future. And yeah, if we can help you save uh, a few thousand dollars on uh, health insurance so that you can spend it on uh, NeuroHacker stuff, then all the better. Cheers to that. Thank you again. Thank you again. Well, I'm sure we'll have you back on the show. Um, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for being with us for this conversation with James Maskell. 
Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes and a comment on our site if you have any thoughts or questions on this episode. This podcast is made possible by Neurohacker Collective. Visit neurohacker.com to see how you can save 50% off your first order of Qualia Mind or Qualia Focus. And make sure to subscribe to Collective Insights wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.